our healthcare system in the United States often fails. You know, we're really good at saving you if you've got a devastating problem. We're not nearly as good at preventing you from having the devastating problem in the first place, which could often have been prevented by minimal but appropriate preventive interactions with the healthcare system. Welcome to The Core, a podcast series brought to you by CoreVista Health, pioneering digital health to transform the way cardiovascular diseases are diagnosed. Please welcome today's host, Scott Berger, CoreVista's Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer, as he continues the conversation with Dr. Charles Bridges, CoreVista's Chief Scientific Officer, on how technology can make a difference in healthcare. You, you brought up in there the, the race disparity in healthcare. I was interested what your perspective is on technology and AI and machine learning, how, how you think that can impact the disparity in healthcare between races. Well, it, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating topic, actually. Uh, it, well, I think what we've learned is we have to be very careful in how we think about the applications of uh, artificial intelligence uh, to those to issues relevant to gender uh, and, and race, because unfortunately the machines can sometimes learn the same biases that uh, the system has already fostered in some, in some contexts. So uh, we have to really be careful about how that's applied. And, the re- and the, the, here's, here's how that happens, because you might say, well, how could a machine become biased? Well, it could, it could if, and you know, it's, it's all about the gold standard. What is the actual truth, right? So if the machine is basing its decisions or its learning on things that aren't actually true, right, that are, that are based on biased reasoning or facts, with facts in quote, then the machine can reproduce the same bias um, that were inherent in the, the, the people who made the determination of whatever uh, outcome we're, we're talking about. So it, it's, it's not a big issue. Uh, well, it, it can be a big issue, uh, but it's an issue that I think we have to be cognizant of as, as we think about the applications of artificial intelligence across a whole spectrum, not just in medicine, but uh, frankly, perhaps at least as importantly in other aspects uh, of, of life. It, it must be very fulfilling to be able to uh, meet such great unmet needs out, out in society right now. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's really, I think it's in a very exciting time. And for, for Corvista, we are able to apply machine learning, artificial intelligence, advanced systems and signal processing and mathematical techniques. We're also able to combine technologies that don't normally work together. For example, you know, we're measuring the electrical voltage gradient, which is something you think of with an electrocardiogram. Uh, we're using uh, pulse plethysmography, something that you typically put on the finger. And now we're looking at other types of sensors, which will give us data like a doctor might get from their stethoscope, um, or you might get from something like an echocardiogram. But right now in medicine, those technologies are each done one at a time. You get an echocardiogram, we'll see what that shows. You get an electrocardiogram, we'll see what that shows. 
uh, you'll get, um, we'll take our stethoscope and listen and we'll see what that shows. But imagine if you could get all of that data uh, at the same time in one platform, your ability to make the correct decisions can only be better than any one, any one of those alone. And that's the future that I see with Corvista is that we will almost like, gosh, uh, what's the name of that? What's the show that Captain Kirk was on? Is it Star Trek? Um, yeah. But you know, you remember when they had that machine where you just lay down on the machine? It scanned you. It scanned you and then it tells yeah, you everything yeah. that was wrong with you. Yes. You know? Um, that's Corvista is, is this, you know, that Star Trek realized almost, you know, I love it. I love it. That's a great analogy. Well, and, and you, so you talked about like with, with Janssen, you talked about one, one drug that you were working on for, for PAH. The interesting thing here is if, if we can incorporate a cardiac analysis platform where we look at multiple disease states at once, and we're able to take all these different technologies to, like you said, almost scan the body in Star Trek, um, could be some very valuable information picked up early on in, in a patient's uh, treatment or diagnosis. Absolutely. And, and again, as opposed to being thinking one disease at a time, again, with the, the uh, sort of Star Trek type analogy on, for cardiovascular disease, it's not and again, typically we're using one technology at a time and often we're looking for one disease at a time. You know, we're, we've got a blood test that'll tell you, do you have maybe prostate cancer or not? We get the different blood tests that'll tell you, do you maybe have heart failure or not? Uh, we've got a different test that'll tell you if maybe you have coronary disease or not. But um, think of one test that incorporates multiple sensors that can say, looks like it might be coronary disease, looks like it might be pulmonary hypertension, or it's not heart failure. Uh, it, um, you may have an irregular heart rhythm, even though your heart rhythm looks normal here, we see signs that you've got an irregular heart rhythm, which of course can increase your risk of stroke and death. And, and you may be, and a large fraction of those patients are completely unaware that they're having atrial fibrillation. So we might find those kinds of things, um, or things like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, for example, which is very difficult to diagnose. And sometimes it takes up to four years. And it's because of that one time, one, one test at a time approach where you miss, you miss the diagnosis, uh, and that Corvista should, would have the ability to integrate all of the data in a way that we wouldn't miss that diagnosis. We would, we would make that diagnosis much earlier than it is today on, on, you know, in many, many patients. Right. You, you know, you brought up, uh, HCM and, and the up to four years to diagnose as, as I was talking with Dr. Valerie McLaughlin, who, you know, well at the university of Michigan, she, she brought up that oftentimes it's six echoes over three years. And sometimes these patients even go through uh, psychiatric analysis before they're finally diagnosed with, with uh, pulmonary hypertension. It's just amazing some of the struggles these patients go through to try to find out what's really going on and what conditions they have. And, and I, I look at the opportunity to, to merge tech and medical and then to introduce these pharmaceutical drugs 
to, to help take care of patients is something that's really, really valuable in what we're doing moving forward. It's, it's a really exciting future as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, Val is uh, a, a good friend co- and colleague, and she's right. I mean, I've met, and again, because these are, were typically women, young women, the majority of these patients, and, and unfortunately, uh, we know there's gender bias in our healthcare system, that women uh, women don't get cardiac casts as often as, as men with the same symptoms, and uh, and we know that there's 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 ethnic bias in the system. So uh, in terms of what tests get ordered um, and and so labeling a 40 year old female patient as, quote, hysterical or uh, needs to see a psychiatrist is an unfortunately thing that happens all too commonly when when the reality is that the proper diagnostic tests haven't been done and the patient is neither hysterical nor in need of a psychiatrist, what they need is to be appropriately diagnosed and treated for the condition that they have. Now, this is not uh, unique to pulmonary arterial hypertension or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Um, Any relatively rare disease is always challenging for doctors to diagnose because getting back to one of my earlier points, doctors are still using almost exclusively human intelligence, which is, is uh, limited. And, you know, if there are 700 rare diseases, you can't expect any doctor to be familiar with all 700 of those diseases. So if you happen to have one of those diseases, it's going to be a struggle to find someone who knows what's wrong with you. Uh, and, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a problem with any relatively rare disease. Uh, and it's, a, it's really a, upsetting for the patient when that happens because, you know, they go from one doctor to a different doctor to another one, back to the first one. And um, unfortunately, sometimes no one ever actually comes up with the correct Diagnosis. So it's technologies like Corvista that we hope can improve that situation um, in the cardiovascular and pulmonary spaces for patients with some of these less common conditions. With these rare diseases, early diagnosis is critical for for these patients to be able to get the the care they need. Isn't that correct? Absolutely, particularly in those ones where there are effective treatments, and we know that for pulmonary arterial hypertension and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and cardiac amyloidosis, for example, there are now are effective treatments for these relatively rare uh, and or often underdiagnosed diseases because we actually don't even know just how rare some of those disorders I just mentioned are because you don't know what you don't know. So in other words, how do you know how many patients have a disease if you're missing it, right? So that, that it, the numerator, the denominator rather, is sometimes un, unknowable. Uh, and um, invariably, there are more patients than we thought there were. When we find effective ways to treat and diagnose them, we find that there are actually more people that have that the specific problem in that we're talking about. So incorporate, incorporating a test uh 
for example, in a CAD test for coronary artery disease and being able to get two, three, four other different tests that are more rare could really be valuable to these patients. Absolutely. It could, could be life-changing for, for some of these patients because, uh, um, unfortunately, let's take hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, for example. What happens is that the, the heart fails over time because of this disease. And, and once, if it's, it's just like pulmonary arterial hypertension, if you diagnose it three years or four years later, your life expectancy is much shorter. Um, because, you know, it's just, just like having hypertension, but not knowing you have hypertension. Uh, unfortunately, hypertension can be treated with, you know, $20, $20 a month of generic blood pressure pills if you know you have it. If you don't know you have it, it can destroy your heart. You can, you can, have, you can end up with heart failure. It can destroy your kidneys. You end up with kidney failure. Um, and it can cause a stroke. Uh, and so it can have devastating effects on your heart, your brain, and your kidneys that's irreversible, but preventable by, you know, $25 worth of blood pressure pills. But the diagnosis has to be made. Uh, and that's an easy one, right? You just go get your blood pressure checked. But, uh, but even that one we're missing all the time. I mean, I can't tell you, uh, you know, as a, as the chairman of cardiac surgery down in Carolina's healthcare system, we used to, uh, I can't tell you the, how many young men I met that their first interaction with the healthcare system or several of them was that they had a dis had dissected their aorta, uh, which is a devastating consequence, uh, and, and life, uh, threatening has a significant mortality. And it's because they have high blood pressure, uh, but they didn't know that they had it and they had never been treated for it. And so those are some of the more severe examples of where, frankly, the, our healthcare system in the United States often fails. You know, we're really good at saving you if you've got a devastating problem. We're not nearly as good at preventing you from having the devastating problem in the first place, which could often have been prevented um, by minimal but appropriate preventive interactions with the healthcare system. Well, and, and hopefully uh, merging tech into medicine will help that. Hopefully we're able to be a, a small part of what we can, we can do to improve that diagnostic uh, speed to be able to bring this to light for physicians to, be, to better care for their patients. Absolutely. And that's, uh, again, one of the exciting things about Corvista is that we are, obviously we can't solve all of the problems in healthcare, uh, but, but if we can focus and solve a selected few that are high impact, I mean, after all, cardiovascular disease is still the number one cause of mortality. So we're, we're in a very important place with uh, Corvista when we talk about heart failure, coronary artery disease, um, and even pulmonary hypertension is actually not a rare disease. Pulmonary arterial hypertension is a rare subset, but pulmonary hypertension itself is rare, fairly common, 10% of people over age 65, for example. So... Um, I think that we, we have the 
potential to have a major impact on cardiovascular health. That's, that's really exciting. We, we talked a little bit about the advancements and the excitement in, in medicine. Over the last couple of years, we've been dealing with, with COVID and, and the challenges that this pandemic has brought healthcare systems in general, the, the amazing physicians and nurses who have cared for patients, the challenges that they've faced, the overworking, the, the uh, real difficulties in, in trying to keep themselves and their families safe while, while caring for people, um, which, which you all do so wonderfully. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what you see over the last two years and what COVID and the pandemic has, has done to, to medicine and the, the care of patients. Well, I mean, it's had, a, as, as I think everybody knows, a devastating impact, you know, almost a million, we're closing in on a million deaths in the United States, uh, probably, unfortunately, sometime this year. And it's had a devastating impact on clinical trial progress, that is the development of new medicines and new treatments are typically been slowed by a year in some cases more. Uh, some programs have been have uh, been canceled altogether just because of the insufficient enrollment or cost or what have you. So I think it's had a significant impact on slowing the development of new therapies and new drugs for things other than COVID is what I'm talking about primarily. I think it's had a, a huge and devastating psychological impact on healthcare practitioners. Uh, strat the, the amount of stress it's and and uh, and uh, other impact it's had on on healthcare as a profession, I think, has been significant. And then I think it has also had a tremendous impact on not just COVID-related outcomes, but a broader cross-section of medical outcomes because of the uh, impact that COVID has had on our healthcare infrastructure, our intensive care units, screening, elective surgeries were all put on hold largely. People are uh, haven't been getting, haven't gotten their screening colonoscopies or their mammograms uh, or their elective surgi surgical procedures. And that will then cascade into more health effects going forward because uh, people, you know, people will get prostate cancer or, or breast cancer or lung cancer or colon cancer that might have been prevented had they been had their normal screening. And some of those effects will will continue for years to come. So I think it's it's uh, not only had a devastating impact, even when it's officially over, we'll still continue to see some of the negative results of that. Devastating. It's it's been a, a, an unbelievably difficult last couple of years. That's for sure. Hey, Charles. Thanks so much for visiting the core today. Really loved having you on, and and it was fascinating to learn about your background and and how your interaction with both engineering, science, technology, and medicine has really converged into the value that you're bringing to Core Vista Health today. So thank you very much. Scott, thank you very much, uh, and uh, thank you to Corvista uh, for giving me the opportunity uh, to work with you. Uh, it's an outstanding team, and uh, we'll look forward to great things to come.
to learn more or listen to more episodes of The Core, please visit us at corevista.com. Please note, The Core Vista system is an investigational device limited by federal law to investigational use and is not available for commercial distribution.